Welcome everyone to Previously in the Multiverse, the DC Comics podcast, the sister show to Comics from the Multiverse. This is myself, Peter, and of course Connor, and we are going to be working our way through some classic DC runs. Coming up on this week's show, we have our two Batman slots for post-crisis Batman. We have Batman Annual Issue 11 with Batman 410 knocking out the sink. So next week it'll be Detective and then Batman, and then it'll be Detective Batman until something else interrupts it and it'll be flipped or whatever. How, how dare they? Yes. Uh, actually, I think there's at some point the scheduling when I was marking them down. At some point, one did seem to get delayed slightly, so it kind of flipped it on its own. But we'll get to that. Anyway, so you got those. Um, we mentioned last week that we're probably going to remove New Fifty Two Wonder Woman, um, basically just because I wasn't feeling it, and it was getting a bit of a, a bit of a stale conversation. Shall we say? Uh, so we didn't want to do Diana uh, dirty. So, we have stuck with Wonder Woman, but we have jumped back to, I guess, joining Batman in post-crisis land. Uh, we're doing the George Perez run on Wonder Woman. So, starting off with Wonder Woman issue one today uh, in that slot. Uh, we got The Flash, 73, continuing Mark Wage run. We got Birds of Prey issue seven, continuing the, the original Dixon run. Uh, we'll have GSA issue 16. We'll have Justice League Power Rangers issue two. And Stephanie Brown's Batgirl issue 13. So, that's what's coming up on this week's show. So, be excited. Uh, as for picking the new book, I mean, there was a couple, a little bit of a discussion about other uh, female-led books. We wanted to keep it as a female character because we didn't want to, like, counterbalance too much with the... Because, you know, it's very easy for this to turn into a sausage fest very quickly, given comic book character... Hist- well, just given media history in general, really, but uh, specifically here, comic book history. Um, and we landed on that just because... We thought that another Batgirl or a Catwoman one or something like that uh, was just going to make the whole thing too bat heavy because we got Birds of Prey, we got a Batgirl, we got the Batman slot, so double Batman slot as well. Yeah, double Batman slot. So we we went over way to make sure it wasn't a bat book. So it, it naturally came back to another Wonder Woman run, uh, and we thought, well, we might as well go back to the not the start start, but the start of uh, sort of modern Wonder Woman history. Uh, that's it. It's, it's been refreshed multiple times since this, so it's not even as relevant as it once was. But no, uh, but this is still the benchmark of you know Wonder Woman. Uh, it's yeah. Even even uh, up until I don't know, the New Fifty Two was probably the the biggest departure from this. So yeah, Batman Annual Eleven, uh, and even th- this has some caveats actually. Before we talk about it, and it's it's actually a really annoying caveat because we both read this in the trade. Uh, the second chances trade, which unfortunately doesn't actually have the whole annual, so we only read half of it. And the reason why this is unfortunate is because the half that we don't have in the trade is the half that sounds really interesting and really like tantalizing. Because the half that we didn't get was the Alan Moore half of the book, which was a Clayface story. So yeah, I don't know if this if that story has been digitized. Because Maybe not. this this single issue isn't available on DC Universe. This is only uh, as much as you can get in the trade here. So I, I wonder if there's something, that, you know, the, oh, a reason for that. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe just to spite more knowing DC. Because I, I didn't realise it at first. I just started reading it. I thought, oh, okay, so we, we got... Because the regular writer, Max Allen Collins, is on the other story. And it started, and I was like, oh, it makes sense. That story's first. So I read that story. And then when it got to the end, and it was like, oh, it's the end of the trade. I was like, oh, where's, where's the, I was only 17 pages. Where's the rest of this annual? So... uh. I mean, the Wonder Woman issue ended up being longer than expected. It was very dense, so I'm kind of happy this ended up not being a full annual size in terms of time this week. But, I mean, 
the Alan Moore half that sound a bit more intriguing. <laughs> that, that's that's fair. I think barring anyone who happens to have the physical single issue, mm-hmm. this is as much as you're going to get anyway. So I don't think many people in our audience will be missing out. Yes, one one day if it does get digitized and becomes available, we'll do a we'll we'll come back and we'll read the Alan Moore Clayface story. Well, retroactive insert because I actually want to read it. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like this is like, ah, oh, the Scott Lobdell half's missing. Oh, what a shame! Oh, well, d- 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 I'm heartbroken over it. However, we'll, we'll we live. Uh, but yeah, so about my annual living. So the story that we do have here is Max Allen Collins uh, with what's his face, uh, Norm uh, Brayfogle, an artist that pops up a lot in this era. Uh, uh, yeah, a pretty notable Batman artist, especially. Yeah. Uh, so this is a Penguin story about how the Penguins claimed he's reformed, he's up for parole, and he's been he's got a pen pal, he's got a romance going. Uh, via mail and it's about him wanting to get out and uh, go and be with his new girlfriend and Batman just can't believe that Penguin <laughs> is reformed to the point where he's outright a bit of a dick for a lot of this issue <laughs> yeah there's there's a whole bit in this issue where he's uh, I don't know if he uses the, the you know, you know, you know, leopards don't change the spots I don't know if he uses that exactly but I feel I, like he does you know, he, something he along those lines he basically does if it's not leopard spots it's definitely Another cat with another stripe right. or something. He, he does something. And I'm like, then why do you bother putting them all in jail if you don't believe in rehabilitation? Just kill them all. I think this is a critique of this particular story, is that that, that one sentiment goes against so much of what Batman typically is, that it kind of... It's, it's, it's impossible to not read that read that part. Because I like the overall point of the story, which is he's convinced the Penguin's up to something, and then it turns out the only thing he's ultimately guilty of is that he... He hires some of his ex, like, uh, you know, henchmen to be, like, security guards at his new legitimate umbrella factory business. And that's technically breaking parole because it's, you know, it's working with other I think, uh, cons. I think, all of, I think all of the workers there are ex-convicts, and it's that's what's breaking parole as well. It's like, so he hired them intentionally because, well, no one else would. Yeah, it comes from a nice place. But that, that's, I mean, this is a real thing. Like, known felons can't work with each other if they're on parole. It's just a kind of a, a thing. Uh, yeah. Not everywhere, but in a lot of places. Um, and but Batman understands why he did this because no one else would hire them. So he was actually kind of doing something from a good place in his heart. And he kept his promise to this new girlfriend that he was going to stay straight and narrow. Um, Batman was convinced that he was going to do something bad to the point where he's mad at the parole board. The parole board, by the way, who don't like Batman being there, like it's a sham that this vigilante's here. He offered like character testimony. Uh, I-, I get that. It's, yeah, it's a bit on the odd side. Um, and, I mean, I do like some of the jokes, though. Uh, I, I like uh, Batman and Robin are out fighting things and the back signal goes up and he's like, ah, yes, so what will it be? Uh, maybe it'll be something normal. And Batman's like, nah, Commissioner Gordon wouldn't have us just do, you know, the, the old typical normal the crimes. Yes. They, they, you know, this will be something big. I bet the Penguin's finally up to something. And then Gordon's like, oh, it's just some normal stuff. I've got some liquor store robberies to take care of. There yeah. you go. Uh that's what it is. Um, so it's a very cartoony representation of Batman, uh, even though ultimately at the end, he's the one who kind of, like, obviously he, he learns his lesson a bit by the end and essentially tells the girlfriend, look, he did what he did for the right reasons. He actually was doing a good job of not being a criminal. Yeah, uh, he goes back to the parole board and is like, do you know what? Maybe we should go easy on him. And they're like, nope, Toffee broke the rules. Yeah. So he's in jail, but the girlfriend's not left him. She's coming to visit him. Uh, and it ends with her saying, oh, don't worry, I know you were doing good. A, a little bat told me. And it's 
So he learns his lesson. It's, it's a bit overly comical and he's a bit aggressively a dick about... Because he basically goes to argue, no, he should never be let out. He should never... He, there's, no, there's, there's no chance of Penguin ever rehabilitating. Which is a lot of a character, but... Yeah, I think that's the problem. Because it's not like it's just one throwaway line. It is pretty much the core concept of the entire story. Not that it doesn't make sense with certain characters. I think when you've got a character like the Joker, yeah, I get why Batman would argue that he should never be let out of Arkham. Because he's such a, you know, psychotic... That's a big difference as well between Arkham, you know, which is, you know, for the, you know, mentally unstable, and, no, this is just a a prison, right? Uh, I don't think Penguin's in Arkham here. No, no, they just say Gotham Prison. They even call it Blackgate, so I don't know if Blackgate was a thing yet. (laughs) Probably not. Um, I don't think Arkham was really that big a deal yet, to be honest. But, you know, it's just, he's in prison, and... It feels weird to argue that no, you know, there's no chance for them all. Then why bother putting them in prison? Yeah. So a bit odd. I mean, it was an amusing enough read. Yeah, with some spots, but I, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, shout or scream about it by any means. Uh, what are you rating that? I'm giving it a five point five. It's fun enough, but harmed by its premise. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll be nicer and throw it to six. It's, it's an easy enough read. Uh, I, I think you have to go into it, though, with this. One of these weird older takes on a character that doesn't really fit what they've kind of been really solidified into. But for I more... think the problem is it doesn't even really fit the Batman we've been reading in previous nah. issues from this era. That's true. I mean, the whole. I mean, I think the whole concept of the issue is meant to be kind of this just comical like story because it's all about Penguin having fallen in love and want to, and it's not like Penguin's going to stay a good guy for long. I'm sure he's a villain again, relatively quickly. Some point the, within the next couple of years, at most. Yeah. So it's not like this was a serious story attempt. I mean, and let, you know what? If if Penguin shows back up in this run and he's he's got this girlfriend still, and he becomes like some sort of like weird informant or something, then sure, maybe he was setting something up or whatever. But as it is, I don't. It's like unlikely. He's got much of a purpose. Yeah. Uh, even the the placement in this trade being just. At the back of the trade, just oh, for inclusion's sake. Yes, it wasn't next in the order it should have been in. They they put it, and I, I I kind of get why as well because the next main issue does sort of continue the origin of Jason Todd's Robin. Yeah, career. I mean, this is pretty common in trades to yeah. jig around the order a little bit just to, for what's more natural flow. And I, I don't begrudge them to that, but the fact that it's later means okay, it's not setting up anything else in this book at least, um, and maybe it's setting up something later on still but it's unlikely yeah so no it's a uh, it's a decent enough read but i've definitely read worse annuals i'll say that much yeah yeah much Def- worse definitely been worse annuals uh so batman 410 uh, max allen collins writing with uh, dave cockram on the art this is uh it felt kind of almost like a finale to, to a two-parter last issue but I'm glad to see that they did continue. Like the origin of Jason Todd is a bit more than that because this starts off with his training. He's actually he's six months of training, but the says was a time jump. But this is still the the origin of how he became Robin. They're not just uh, that's just him now. We're back to present day stories. Yeah, he is Robin, like you say, because that was at the end of the previous issue. But this is still about him. You know, what kind of Robin is he going to be? You know, how yeah. is how did he actually get to be and skilled it, enough? And he wasn't active, Robin, from the sounds of it. It sounds like, because he only just gets his outfit in this issue, you know, after a bit of training. Yeah. It, sounds like, it sounds like he's been in the cave learning, you know, judo or whatever for the past six months. Uh, pretty much, yeah. They, they talk about all the things that he's been doing, you know. Uh, yeah. 
This is quite a bit that he's been learning. Yeah, he's been studying the the, the Rogue Gallery. Um, interesting little panel I thought in here was uh making sure he knows how guns work and having him fire a gun. Not because he's going to be using it as Robin, but just to understand how they work and the like the the danger of them and stuff like that. I thought that was an interesting take that Batman would train someone with that. This makes sense to me. I think um I know obviously now we associate Batman with never touching guns. But I think the idea that he's proficient with them and that, you know, he makes sure, you know, okay, if if the gun is the only solution, not to shoot someone, but to shoot something, right, you know, the, the, in the scenario, and, the, you know, he, he's got the gun there from someone, I'm sure, you know, that I makes mean, that, sense for him to use still. That still tracks, but that's not even necessarily how I, I kind of read this. This makes sense to me because... One of the things Batman will often do is when he grabs someone's gun, he'll take it apart. He has to know how to take one apart. He has to know how to, how it works and how it you know disassembles. More importantly, uh, you know, I, I I would agree with that take, except the panel is Jason shooting it, not. Well, he is, yeah. But I mean, that, but, that gives him you know it gives him a sense of kickback. Like, is the person going to be like a little off balance after the fire gun if they're untrained or something? Sure. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's lots of things to learn from this outside of just you can aim the gun and shoot well. <laughs> uh, sure, I, I'm not you know disregarding those, but I think that's still part of it as well. Uh, you know, it's just it's part of the skill set, even if he doesn't want it used. But the conversation quickly turns to the big coin and therefore Two Face, uh, and Jason mentions that uh, you know you've taught me a lot about your rose gallery, uh, penguin, and so on and so on, but you've not really talked about Two Face. He tells the origin of Two Face, but he does leave out the part where. His father was killed by Two Face for uh, it was a it was a Two Face henchman. He double crossed them or said something against them, and Two Face killed him for it. Uh, he leaves that part out. Uh, I do love though that when he's explaining that Two Face's crimes, because he's explaining the coin and flipping the coin. Uh, one thing that's a little bit different here uh, in this part of continuity, as far as like, Two Face's coin, is that I always associate the coin as being something that two, like Harvey Dent had himself before he became mm. Two Face. Here it's different. Here it's uh, uh is it Maroney? Uh, I think it just says who the gangster is. No, think about it. No, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, but whoever it's, it's, you know, it's the guy that throws the ass at his face. It's his lucky coin that then he takes and sort of it becomes his. Um, interesting little difference. I mean, I, I like it being Harvey's coin from like Long Halloween and stuff. But I mean, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's it's a small thing. I agree that I prefer it being his coin. That's probably why it's stuck. Yeah, but it's not like a, a deal breaker. But the thing I love here though is to sh- is to show that his crimes are always in twos. There's a panel of Two Face. Uh, robbing a, a theater, and the sign above it says a double bill of Rocky and Rocky too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that made me laugh. That's what you came up with. There was no other movies that you, th- you just thought no, a double feature of the first and second movie or something. I mean, it works. I actually appreciate the just the the drawing of that panel as well because it's it's like on a corner and you've got yes. the on you know you can see it twice the sign as well. I, I think that's a, a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's two toned as well. It's just this uh, sort of yellow and light green and that's the color of the two halves of his suit but it's also the color of everything else on the panel so it's and and that plays for the vast majority of the flashback uh that's true yeah as well there there is like a a blue as well at points but it's mostly in these really muted tones that make it you know very clear it's flashback well yes and most importantly there's two colors (laughs) two there is yes the two uh so uh, Alfred does critique Bruce a little bit that he's maybe bringing up Richard a bit too much. He's like, hey, you keep bringing up the past Robin a bit. Maybe you're setting him up to like compare himself to the previous Robin. Uh, 
I actually really like this because I was feeling like he's he's mentioning you know Robin a lot, and you know he's always like the, the previous Robin, and I was starting to feel it, and I was like to the point where I was gonna bring it up to to critique it because it was starting to get on my nerves, and then Alfred called him out on it. I was like, oh okay, I see what you're doing. I'm I'm cool with it now. Yeah, it's just there's a story beat. Uh, so he takes him to Garden for the first time because the bat signal goes up. He's got his new Robin outfit, and he introduces Garden to the kid. And Gordon's like, I thought you swore off uh, working with the child, child, child again. And don't get me wrong, I think Batman's logic, a little more so with the Alfred scene than the Gordon scene, because with Gordon, he doesn't really go into it too much, is that, well, he's already gone down a path where he's on the street, he's fighting, like, I'm just, like, I'm channeling his energy into something better, because he's going to be a little delinquent if it, I don't. He's basically decided it's this or he's going to end up in jail. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they, they, there, was a, there was a letter sent to the to the police that addressed the batman and garden and inside is playing cards uh, and there's two pairs of face cards and, and a two and a two of course yes and a two yeah uh and jason's like this must be two face and then they realize oh he's got these henchmen that are both twins there's two sets of twins they're just they're just twins two sets of twins that is like peak two face so two face and one one of these sets of twins uh the mustache ones um they're going to rip off the 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 sort of the pickup the money pickup from a casino uh yeah. on the outskirts of gotham or wherever it is and yeah we get this whole scene of like and honestly this was kind of a funny sequence for me uh was like them quite not quite getting his plan and two-faced yelling at them for like not quite getting it um and even the moment where he flips the coin to see if they're going to do the crime and like the one guy turns to us like, does that mean we do it he's like that means we do it <laughs> I like how frustrated they were as well, because it wasn't just they weren't getting it at first as well. They were like, "Okay, so we're gonna do it. We'll 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 case the joint. We'll come back tomorrow." He's like, "No, no, no we do it now." It's like, but we're completely unprepared. He's like, "I don't care. That's how this is how it works." <laughs> yeah, fate. Yeah, it came up came up tails or heads, whatever it was would have been for the choice. I don't know which one it was, <laughs> and we're gonna do it. Um, and it's quite dark. Two Face actually kills a guard. Uh, one of the guards that, uh, that are taking the money out he kills uh, he threatens to shoot into the crowd which is also very dark and he's got two trucks outside of course because well Two-Face um, but Batman and Robin show up uh, have a bit of a, a tuffle with them Robin takes care of the henchmen and uh, Jason does his big sort of like heroic moment of the issue is that Two-Face takes a, a hostage just so it's an old woman and Batman says, hey, take me instead, you know, don't hurt someone innocent. And Two-Face, quite rightly, says, well, no, nah, you're Batman. Like, if I take you, you're just going to, like, beat me within seconds. Like, that's not a chance. You're a bad hostage, okay? <laughs> you're too capable. Yeah. Uh, and Jason's like, oh, how about me? I'm a kid. I'm, I'm close to Batman. And I'm the second Robin. And that's really what convinces him. I'm the, I'm the second Robin. And that's your yeah, theme. Yeah. Yeah, it's working. Uh, so he takes Robin back to his uh, two-tone car, but you know Jason, you know, dives out, hits the, hits the brakes, yada yada. Uh, Batman chastises him a little bit for it, but it that that's what the previous Robin would do. Batman so, commandeered some someone's car. You know, that's his, right, his bright pink car. <laughs> he commandeered someone's car uh, because if if Two Face had seen the Batmobile pulling up behind him, he would have known that it was Batman and acted out immediately. Which, there is some logic to that, but it's still really funny, the idea of Batman saying, I'm commandeering this vehicle. <laughs> it's not like he has a badge to flash, either. <laughs> Who's a ba- his whole costume's a badge. It's like... Uh, I know, but... Yeah. I just, I just, the way he picked as well, it's like this, this bright pink thing. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we'll get to the final beat in a second, but, I mean, ultimately, the issue succeeds at showing Jason's been training. Uh, he has a classic sort of toe-to-toe with one of Batman's big rogues. Uh, the rogue plot itself is fun, uh, I thought. A fun little silly heist. And then, ultimately, he gets to show off and be a bit of a hero uh, in his hostage situation. Um, Two-Face does get away, unfortunately, of course, though. Uh, the book ends with uh, Jason saying, I don't want to go to bed yet. Can I stay up and study some more uh, villains and stuff and do some homework? And Bruce is like, yeah, you're likely to be wired. You've had a big night. Yeah, you can wind down and do some research. Uh, and almost immediately, when he's looking at Two-Face records, he finds his own father uh, being labelled as dead, killed by Two-Face. <laughs> oh, well presumed dead which oh, presumed means he's dead. definitely showing back up true 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 um but yeah so that's your kind of fire so uh, even this is at least a two-parter and it's a uh, you know uh, it's funny actually i wonder see when they were making batman forever do you think they made two-face the the person behind uh, grayson's death as a with uh, combining jason's like backstory a little bit with dicks maybe but Dick has a history with Two Face as well, right? So he does, he does. Yeah, Two Face is really is well, well, it has been related to the Zuko thing, yeah. So it's not. Yeah, like I, I mean, I I consider Two Face to be as much of a it, it, as is probably Robin's primary villain. Uh, across the board, just if if you had to give a Robin an antagonist, it's usually Two Face that that ends up in the role. Okay, uh, I've never really considered the. Uh... I'm connected to Jason until I read this. So this is, I'm just mm. kind of going off by this it, issue. I think it, with Jason, it gets overshadowed by what comes with the Joker, right? Yeah. Two-Face didn't have no two crowbars. He might have done. He might have <laughs> just been too slow. <laughs> Some of the puns you give me shit for, that was... I, I know, I will hang my head in shame. That was, that was diabolical. It was. Um, Yes, and I typically like the art in this issue, actually. I thought the expressions and on the henchmen's faces in particular, like all, all of their stuff with Two-Face, I thought was very animated. Very cartoony, of course, but I, I, it was it made for an entertaining uh, back and mm. forth. So I agree, it's pretty solid. Well, it's a solid, solid issue. Solid issue, what are you giving it? I'm going to give it a 6.5, I think. It's, uh, it's pretty decent. I was going to go with a straight 7. I think it's good. It's not great good so cool there you go all right wonder woman issue one george perez uh with greg potter uh, assisting writing but george perez is of course also in the art uh so i believe perez plotted and or and uh greg potter did the script itself okay but he also did the art so yeah uh, um so very much the perez being at the forefront of uh the, the the thing um and I never, I've never read any of this run. Uh, I don't know if you had. No, uh, no. Uh, no? It, it's one of those that's always been, you know, on the list to get to at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this was a longer first issue, which we did not know about. Uh, I got to. I mean, sometimes you get like a twenty-four page comic here, but when I got to page twenty-five, I was like, "Oh, how long is this? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> is, is this like fifty pages? Because these are really dense pages." And I, I will say, I'm glad uh, in this particular instance, I was reading on DC Universe. Because mm. I just uh, so it's single issue, so I could see the page count ah, yes. right from the start. Yes, I no, I was oh my god, is this like an eighty page issue one? Like, am I how long uh, am I, I sitting here reading this? <laughs> I would have warned you if it was. As it was, it was only like thirty. I thought, ah, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um. 
yeah so this is like your full-on origin issue although it's actually it's quite late in the issue before we get to diana herself really uh the issue really goes into the origin of themiscara of the amazons uh kind of the, the current mythology they're playing with with what this run for wonder Woman is going to be based around and how, how yeah, it's, this works like i say i think it, diana's maybe just the last you know five or six pages mostly yeah uh obviously a lot of Hippolyta, but even before Hippolyta, there's like a bunch of stuff with just the, the, the gods just uh you know yeah just a little bit setting up their power dynamics who's on kind of you know the little petty rivalries they have and you know, what how that leads into the creation of the amazons themselves yeah, because the opening couple pages is the story of a caveman who gets upset because he's 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 failed uh, with other cavemen, so he's no longer concerned about him. He's a little bit injured, and when his pregnant wife tries to comfort him, he takes this as an insult and kills her. And we get this this image of uh, well, I wasn't sure what it was at first, but it was clear later on that this was like you know the the soul sort of like mm. shooting out of her body and get up into the the sky and into the stars and and whatever and it's very on its own i'm like when what what is this what this, is this feels so disconnected until relatively late in the issue where it all kind of clicks together um well no, i would say it, it feels re- it feels more relevant i mean it's specifically relevant towards the end but there's actually something it's, it's only about maybe another five or six pages before you get the general idea of what oh, this was sure, an example yeah. of because we get the the you know the the stream of souls and these are all women who have been wronged and that yeah. quite early on. So it was okay. That was an example of that. Obviously, this specifically being Hippolyta's like soul obviously yes. doesn't come till late late on. Um, but I do. I will say this. So I, the first thing, just since we're here, I do kind of like the idea. The reason why that Hippolyta longs for a child is because her soul, like the woman that she was originally, was pregnant when she died, and that's why she has this longing for a child. I actually kind of like that as a. No, I do as well. And just before we even get any further, can we talk about how ballsy it is for DC in the eighties to publish a comic where on page two, a a you know a, a man beats a pregnant woman to death on panel, like he smacks mm-hmm. her with a big club and very visibly pregnant. Yeah, she's clearly like, pregnant. I mean, she never, I don't know if she ever says it necessarily, but you can clearly see she's pregnant. Yeah, that's that's a ballsy move. It's dark. I mean, it sets this up as it's not pulling punches. Uh, and now you've got the gods, and they're debating about uh, who is it? Is it Aphrodite who wants to make the Amazons? Um, uh, I think it's Artemis who wants to do it first, but then most of the the, yes. the, the woman gods goddesses are on her side. Yeah, most of them are on her side. Ares is against it. Wants to just you know make the man world fear. Blah blah. Usual thing. It's just like I, I don't want any of this shit. Like sort this out on your own. I, I don't want to deal with you petulant children. And <laughs> He really uh, is like ah screw this. Yeah. Uh. So, but you know they go off and they go they go you know, the, the the you know what do you know, the Charon they they go off and they go to the and the, he's never taken anyone here before but they go to this this well of souls and we get them all swirling around and that's we get okay so these are all female souls that died in vain or died in horrible circumstances or were wronged. It's really striking imagery still though because it's like you know pitch blackness with all, just mm-hmm. these white souls floating around. Um, it's really effective. It's funny because there's a couple of pages where you know they're making their case to Zeus, and I'm sitting reading it. And I'm going, "Oh, is this going to be a lot of this?" Because I don't know if I'm going to stomach too much of this sort of stuff. But it kept going. And it's okay, so they're going to do this thing, and when they got to that the, the well of souls, I was like, oh, "Okay, so this neatly ties back into that first scene." And I, I it kind of became clear, okay, this is the creation of the Amazons. They're about to essentially form this race, um, yeah. and. 
it, it, it worked quite well. I mean, I think this is, this first issue is obviously a weird one to judge the run on because this issue is not the run. This issue is a prelude to what the run's actually going to be. I mean, the, the book just ends with Wonder Woman becoming Wonder Woman and been told she's been sent off to, you know, the mainland. Yeah. Uh, this yeah, issue is everything else before that. <laughs> right. But it gives you an idea of the sense of scope and the the way they're going to be telling the story. You know, they're saying you're pretty willing to do some dark stuff. Um, it feels big. Uh, I mean, there's this, the shots after this where you get all the souls sort of like landing in the water and then all the, the Amazons like coming out of the water naked. Like, it's all very... Yeah. And something this issue is really good at is repeatedly giving you names of, of the Amazons, yes. for example, and and the gods as well, to be fair. Just really making it clear, no, these are going to be characters that you're going to want to know, and these are going to be recurring names, and it's really good at kind of reinforcing that. Yeah, they, they are, honestly, the only issue is there's a lot of them, so I don't know if they're all going to stick for me right away, but, I mean, I mean, luckily, I know a lot of them from other runs anyway, but... Uh, right, but, you know, how many times do we complain about comics where they'll, yeah. they'll throw in a name once or maybe sometimes not at all until right near the end of an issue where and there's a character been there the whole time and it's really frustrating yeah because uh, because there's sort of three amazons you can any obviously hippolyta is one of them. although it's spelled a little bit differently because i was like is it maybe pronounced differently here uh yeah i don't know it's like hippolyte hippolyte um because it's just e at the end yeah rather than a but I, i'm uh, gonna just carry yeah on. i'm gonna call her what i call her but yeah just just uh, to acknowledge then you get uh Manelope. Uh, Men- is that right? Uh, where, where's that? Sorry, I'm, I'm looking on the first page because it goes to her. She, then it's she's uh, she's the one who can communicate and is like the the one who can talk to the gods. Uh, it's Greek, so pray Menelipe. Menelipe, okay. Yeah. Uh, and Antiope, of course, is the other one. Uh, so, uh, think uh, is Antiope. Antiope, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's th- th- that's the thing with the with like ancient Greek stuff. The the when you have the e on the end. It becomes like an E sound rather than like you know the, you want to say antiope there, which is you know the soft sound. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a re- reason why ancient Greece as a civilization is is gone. Okay, there's a reason why it all failed. Oh, do you, do you want to really want to delve into that right now? There's a reason why, and it was stupid pronunciation like this that led to their downfall. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold claim. It's a really bold claim. It's part of it. Uh, so. Basically, we get this thing afterwards, bro, because I was wondering which Amazon this was that was uh, shacking up with Hercules. Uh, but of course, the reveal is, is that it's not an Amazon. It's actually something that Ares has set up to provoke Hercules into hating the Amazons. Yeah. Uh, by this, this you know, this, you know, basically facade. I, I almost want a uh, color Tulpa. I was getting like a, from Twin Peaks vibes of just like a creative uh. being. Sure, I can go with that. I guess the way she disappears at the end, where she kind of like does like, I mean, not in Twin Peaks they turned out of flames or anything, but the she idea like that it just went away. away. Yeah, yeah. No, that is interesting. And uh, for the record, they do use the the Greek name, you know, Heracles, rather than the the Romanized Hercules, uh, which you know is a small thing, but it's just consistent with being, you know, accurate to to the the period they're playing with. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I never even noticed that was spelled differently. I just read Hercules and went about my business. Uh, and and no one would really, no one would really mind reading Hercules. I don't think most people will still, still say that. But yeah. Greek story, so they use the Greek name. So, uh, but it's basically just there to sort of, he's like, provoke him into the idea that oh no no wait no 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 because uh, she says like Hippolyta has said something about him. 
called him weak or whatever. I don't know what the exact phrase was. I can't find the bubble. But basically, just says, "Oh, he's not that much of a man." Uh, you yes. know, he'll submit to the, the Amazon women. And it kind of all boils down to so they go off to fight the Amazons, and there is a bit of a fight uh, between Apollo and Hercules. Uh, he's picking up trees. She's jumping around, but ultimately, it seems to calm down and hercules seems to have like you know she's earned his respect by proving herself in combat uh like now he will you know what maybe we can live in harmony side by side you've you've earned my respect uh unfortunately it's all a bit of a, a scheme and they basically plan to poison and imprison uh because you know obviously he's with apollo and then she faints after drinking yeah. get all the guards down all, all the usual yeah and she wakes up in chains with just a sheet on and he he basically fly out says that she's going to be raped. That, that's that, this is really dark implications. W- w- like what's here, um, yeah. uh, and then she speaks to uh, it wasn't Hera, was it Athena? Uh, it, it was probably Athena, yeah, 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 it was, yeah, and basically begs to be let out and says she needs revenge. Athena says no, it's like it can't be that. It can't be out of violence. You have yeah, to keep your. And, and- Athena gives us shit for like you know they were supposed to be leading humanity into being a, into being better and they just kind of went off and did their own thing. Yeah, and then, yeah, they basically failed. They failed in what the task originally was. Um, and if, if I have any critique of the issue, honestly, it may just be that I we did, I don't know if we got we, we kind of skipped over that part in a way where it just kind of skipped straight to Hercules is coming for, to pick a fight. I, I could have maybe mm. done with a few examples of like what they were doing in the world. Because uh, we get them waking up and we get them like oh fruit great and. Yeah, we stuff. get the idea that they've got their city of Themyscira at this point. Yeah. Um, but even that's only introduced as Hercules is marching on it. So it's okay, they, we didn't we don't get the idea that how much time has passed and how much they've kind of neglected their duties. Yeah. Uh Apollo uh, lures in the guard by being naked, uh breaks out, breaks out her sisters. There's a great pa- uh, uh, yeah, p- page, with the sword. page with Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say with sword. I love that. It's it's super interesting because you've got all the panels still behind it, um, and that's just superimposed on top. Uh, it's it, it really grabs your attention, uh, especially you know, the the bottom half of the page where you can still see the panel happening behind it for the most part, even though it's like very obscured by like the the, the hand at that point. I think it is the wrist. Yeah, and the chain that's kind of like dangling from her or shackles as well that's been broken yeah. off. Um, yeah, so obviously they they fight back and they kind of you know rescue themselves but the gods then say okay look kind of a punishment but also as like a, a way to redeem yourselves you've got a new task you're going to be given an island and it's above like something you have to you're going to be jailers essentially and you're going to have yeah. to you know protect it forever you're going to be immortal and it's going to be shielded from the world but no mortal man must never trespass on its grounds is the exact word poseidon appears briefly to uh, open up the sea for for them <laughs> yeah let them get across so that's neat uh and they build you know they build what we think of as themiscara they you know, it talks about them actually building all these like statues and and buildings and uh and then it leads into and it, again there's a big time jump here where it kind of implies it's been like is it three thousand years the implies past something like that uh uh i think so it's def- definitely a while yeah yeah uh and this is where we get to hippolyta longing for a child and she doesn't understand why she has this longing, but it turns out that she was pregnant, and that, that's like what really connects that opening scene is that okay, that was Hippolyta's soul, like the one came from this woman. Yeah. Um, so she goes out, and this is the one that makes the baby in clay, 
Uh, and you have uh, a bunch of the various goddesses and Hermes and, um, giving you know their 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 blessings. And it's the the other important part here is this is also teased back in the Well of Souls when the, when they're creating the Amazons, one soul stays behind, and one of them comments, "Oh, what about that one? It's not God." And some one of them says, "No, that one's special and has its own destiny, and that'll come later." So the implication that the unborn child soul is there but isn't ready to go yet. Um, so interesting concepts uh, being thrown around here. Um, yeah, it's it's really neat. Yeah. Um, I do wonder if we'll ever, I mean, if the run is going to actually sort of delve into why that soul had to wait behind and couldn't go with the rest of them. If it had to be a case of Hippolyta needed to be old enough to be experienced to be a mother first and then actually raise the child. I, I think it was just it needed yeah. to be once she was ready to, to be the mother that her soul was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, so and then there's, there's a quick page of her growing up in training and being good at, you know, you know throwing a spear and being compassionate with animals and all the rest of it. Uh, but then it's like, oh, some great evils coming from the world of man are going to descend upon it. You need to send out, you need to pick a champion to go to the mainland and try and solve this problem, try and try and fight against this evil. So, and as with a lot of Wonder Woman Origins, there's a tournament, there's a, okay, let's see who can prove themselves. Um, and as with many of them, Hippolyta doesn't want Diana taking part, so they're all in helmets, Diana's snuck in without anyone knowing. Yeah, this, this part is still pretty much unchanged. For the most part. I mean, fleshed out a little bit, sure, but this is more or less the, the standard. Yeah, I mean, obviously the big thing that's not here is the idea of uh, Steve Trevor crashing on the island that's that's the big that's the big obvious thing that's not even remotely here uh yeah so uh but the, the idea of the tournament and her kind of winning her way to to go uh what's that? the other interesting thing i thought was different uh obviously it's great when they all get the shock faces when she takes off the helmet and uh whatever but the thing i thought was interesting is that in a lot of later wonder woman origins whether it be the comics the animated movie the movie whatever is that they'll have they'll set up that some of the parts of the the costume are like these like artifacts that are really special and important and they come from various gods or whatever here i thought it was interesting all on the gauntlets it's just like oh we'll make you something we'll make you something and, and the memory of our of our past gods and stuff um it's a little no, bit I, different i agree and it's it's where the gauntlets have always been you know the the primary thing right with her like that's been the, the the special part that's why they're the bit that blocks the bullets for example well, that's just funny you mentioned that because one of the things that comes up is they start talking about a test uh, with the, the 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 banging flash of lightning or something like that. They call uh, it. I'm like, you know, she must face the flashing thunder. I'm yeah. Like, what the hell is the flashing? Yeah, thunder? I was like, what the hell are they talking about? And then one of the Amazons just pulls out a gun, and I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, and 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 she's basically like, look, if you're gonna go out there in in you know in man's world, yeah, you're gonna have to be prepared to face this. And the idea, this is that the sort of the. Not the biggest symbol of evil, because the I mean, nuclear bomb exists by this point, but the more common symbol of evil, the the thing that's more prescient on a large and, and scale. Let's say, more importantly, the thing that she will actually encounter on a regular basis yes. if, if someone tries to stop her. So, yeah, she, she shoots Diana, and Diana blocks the bullets, and it's this big, big I moment. I love these panels of her face, like, just in complete shock that she didn't realise she could do this. Yeah. And, you know, part of it's just the reaction to the gunshot itself it's the first time she's seen or heard anything like it and obviously the the, the implications here that you know she, she was always destined to be the one to go and that's you know why she came as the daughter when she did uh and i think maybe there's a maybe there's a i mean i get a general idea here maybe they'll delve into this in the run but the the 
it had to be Diana because she is the one who was a new life, who had never had a chance before. Whereas all these Amazons who like were technically reincarnated from from other people, mm. um, there's a, a fundamental difference there, and that Diana had to learn from scratch. She she had more of an ability to. I guess, I mean, this is maybe boiling down to too much of a simplistic term, but she wasn't scorned already. She has, like, she has the, the, mm. the, the fresh, like, she, she, she has the ability to be more welcoming, I guess, and more understanding. No, I, I get it. Everyone else who was there was a woman scorned. That was yeah. the whole idea. It, it was, you know, women who were wronged, whereas she was the exception to that, which does set her apart fundamentally from all the other Amazons, even, you know, on a, on a, on a level down to the soul rather than just the, the nature of her upbringing being different, you know, you know, her creation being different, but just on a on a pure level, it's completely she's completely different. Yeah, uh, she doesn't have the vendetta, perhaps, that they all naturally have on some level uh, towards the rest of the human world. Um, but yeah, the, the book ends with uh, after that. It's the same page as the, the the gunshot blocking, but you see at the bottom, like every all the Amazons looking up to you know the site they're looking at, and then the final page is her standing on a pedestal holding up her gauntlets and in her full costume. This is the, the only time you see her in the first issue in her full costume. Not counting the cover, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, and that's the end of the issue. Uh, it's a really good first issue. I mean, honestly, like I say, a little bit more of like, not that I want it to be longer per se, but a little bit more of the, the concept of what the Amazons were actually doing before the downfall on Earth mm. uh, would have been nice. And it is a very dense read. There's a lot of text. There's a lot going on. It is, but it is compelling. It is no, it's good. It, it's good, but a long read. It's definitely one of these cases where it's an older comic, and it feels like an older comic. Mm. But um, I'll, well, I'll say no, it right. I, I really liked it though. Oh yeah, it was better than every single issue of that as a relevant. I'll say that right now. <laughs> I don't know if I'm willing to die on that hill because <laughs> I love so many issues of that run in particular. Yeah, and because this dealt with all with the origin, it felt like it was introducing me to a lot of these uh, godly concepts, even though it didn't go into them super, like, well yet. Like, it was giving me enough in a sort of digestible... It, it was funny, because I, I, I was reading this, the first few pages, after the caveman stuff, was all the gods, it was like maybe four or five pages of it, and I, I didn't know how much further it was going to go with it at that point. I was still, like, maybe on page three of all the god stuff. And I was like... Oh god, have we swapped one run for another that Pete's just going to despise? Yeah, no, this was a uh, very... Although I'm excited to actually see what it's like with her functioning issue to issue now as a main character, because she's not the main character in this first issue. This is very much a prologue issue in every sense yeah. of the word. Uh, it's so, a, it's again, important, a, a, but... A, quite a, a ballsy move to publish that. You know, this is your big Wonder Woman issue one, obviously. This is the, the, the big spectacle, and it's not really a Wonder Woman issue. Uh, again, a there's a lot of brave decisions with this coming. I think that even now, like, I don't think that they would publish in this, in this style. This, well, no, they would, but they would call it like Wonder Woman, like Rebirth, and then you get issue one afterwards. This would just be given a different title. And I mean, possibly, I will dispute yeah. that it's not really a Wonder Woman issue because I, I get what you mean by that because she's not the main character of this. However, if you think of a movie, forget the actual movie. I just mean a, any movie adaptation of Wonder Woman that's doing her origin. This would be the first, you know, prologue and like. 20 minutes of the movie so it would uh, no, part of the story equally absolutely it is part of the wonder woman story uh, th that is undeniable but this particular issue isn't a wonder woman story it is just a, it it's it's just it's it's a story of the amazons really and that that happens you know and wonder woman happens to be part of that at the end 
Aye, but that's fine. That's just normal storytelling. Not every issue of Batman has to focus primarily on Batman. Same with Superman, no, same no, with whoever. I agree, and I like that, but I think it's a ballsy move to have it being issue one to not focus on them. Yeah, I think it's just one of these cases where it just makes sense. It's the start of the story. You explain all this backstory stuff. I mean, they could have like done a flashback issue after like an arc if they wanted to like just get you know hit the ground running. And a lot of comics will do that. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a way, it's, you know, tried and true method of doing it. But sometimes just going in order <laughs> and giving a nice big origin issue is is how you do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And the actual origin part of Wonder Woman herself is quite quick towards the end. It, it spends a lot of time building this mythology, which I assume is going to be important. I mean, certainly. Ares is going to play a huge factor in this run, I have no doubt, with, with Diana uh, as we go forward. Yeah. Maybe not right away, but it's definitely coming up. Uh, so, I'm uh. assuming we'll get to the, the, the Steve Trevor stuff fairly soon as well. Uh, I'll be interested to see what they do with it, because obviously it's going oh. to be slightly different by its nature. Oh, yeah, I mean, I expect that it'll be the first person she... Maybe not the first person she meets, but the first person she truly like befriends and connects with. I mean, it could be, yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's not possible, but... Uh, no, no, um, and I, I don't know. Maybe they still do the the crashing on the island before she leaves. I don't know. Uh, it's possible. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I wouldn't think so, just based on this issue. But I mean, for all I know, issue two could just start with the crash. <laughs> like, oh, okay, right. I, I I agree. I don't think it is, but I'm not a hundred percent certain. It's more just that line being here. You know, no, no mortal man. Yeah, you know, shall you know uh, enter the island? Whatever the, the exact words were. That made me feel like, okay, that's still going to be part of this run. Oh, for uh, sure. It, yeah, it's it's there. It's just a matter of, do they do it with Steve straight away, or is it something that comes a little bit later? Yeah, does she have to bring someone back with her at some point? Yeah. Uh, for, for some, you know, fairly noble reason, but they're all pissed at her for it and so on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I could issue one. Uh, bit dense, but very good. So mm, No, uh, it is real good. Uh, and the art is very good in fact yeah yeah uh the pacing is pretty spectacular um a lot of really great uh facial expressions yeah a lot of good stuff like that there's a couple of good bits of action i think particularly uh diana's hair is pretty magnificent and i feel like they're going to i mean there's not a lot of it in this issue but i feel like part of the fun of this is going to be how much perez gets to go nuts with that uh and they are during the action scenes so all right, what do you, what do you give a Wonder Woman issue one? I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it the 8.5. I was thinking about the 9, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sell with the 8.5, I think. Yeah, I'll say 8.5. I'll say 8.5. I, I, the, the critiques I made, I think, are enough to not keep, put it up there, but it feels at the start of like a big, important run, and that's kind of what this reputation suggests. So uh, mm-hmm. the first issue certainly feels like it's holding up, up that end of the the deal. So, cool. The Flash, issue 73, Mark Wade writing Greg Rock back on the art. And this is a Christmas issue where Wally's brought Linda to Jay, Jay's house for Christmas. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a delight, I have to be frankly. This was a delightful little story. No, uh, no. Yeah, uh, I have one major critique that bugged the hell out of me towards the end. Okay. Uh, and and like immediately knocked a whole point off for the for my reaction to it. Uh, but overall, yeah, it was a pretty fun issue. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Wally's obsessing over the tree, and Linda's getting mad at him, so she sends him to the kitchen to help 
uh, Jay and Joan. But then Joan keeps talking about how nice he is and how well-intentioned he is. But the end of the page is really funny because she just leans into Jay and goes, get him out of here before I kill him. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, got it. And just grabs the helmet. Yeah. Because he, he keeps saying, oh, can I show, show the way help? Because I mean, I could do it really fast. And she's trying to like, make she's right. She wants to make a traditional Christmas dinner. She wants to do it at the regular human speed. She wants to enjoy the process. He, he, even Jay's there peeling potatoes at normal speed. Yes. He knows not to question this tradition. This means a lot yeah. to his wife. He knows to keep his mouth shut. So he's like, no, get your costume on. Let's go. We'll go and just go do it. And they do. They, they talk about Christmas, what he wants, what he wants to give Linda. Uh, and it's nice. I think after the last issue ending with the romance finally being solidified as a relationship, I think it's nice that this issue is like the reaction of the, the happy grandparents. Oh, he's got a girlfriend. Oh, it's nice. And they, it kind of, I think tonally it feels quite nice to come to this after that issue. It does. And Jay's already like, so you giving her a ring? <laughs> he's like hold on a minute hold on even i'm a bit slower than that let's not let's not yeah speed things up uh and he talks about how obviously christmas means more as you get older it's more about family and friends and less about being excited for presents but he misses the thrill and this may sound selfish but he misses the thrill of just being really excited about that new baseball glove <laughs> yeah um which is a nice payoff later when that's what linda got him as a baseball glove and it's like it's like oh look how well she knows him. it's a really sweet ending uh, but they're just doing good deeds. They're, you know, they're they're catching presents. They're they're getting people out of the way of cars in the snow. They're going to like soup kitchens. Uh, ultimately, they end up helping a pregnant woman, who's the one who's going to get hit with the car. And it turns out there's more of a problem though. Not only is she pregnant, her husband, who's getting laid off from his job, it's his last day at work. Uh, but he can't find a new job, so he's turning to like, he's, he's, some thugs have convinced him to help steal all the money at the end of the shift and she's crying and mortified that he's going to do this uh, and he, she says oh he's, he thinks that this is the only way he can support his family and that he's got and a baby on the way literally going into labor there and they have to you know speed to get some doctors to her yeah so jay stays with her to help deliver the baby while he goes off to the, the department store to help things and uh, and even this is kind of fun even though obviously this, this story's getting a little more serious because there's, like, there's, there's a thing to save now there's a thing to stop I like what I like about it is one you've got the Christmas chaos of like Wally being oh shit this place is packed it's Christmas Eve you used to jingle you, all the you way know, chaos you know Laroque read this script like, <laughs> god damn it all these people on one page yeah yeah because it is like yeah you know, it's like a where's Wally page it really is uh, but I do like that what he's trying to do is to like in the Christmas spirit is stop someone from becoming a criminal it feels like a really nice goal as opposed to just saving something from something bad happening. Yeah, you know, there's like a nice spin to it that feels quite positive, uh, and if he tries everyone, and the twist is quite obvious if, if you want to call it that. I don't know if it is a twist per se, but the idea that he's checked every employee in the store, all three hundred or whatever is of them, uh, but the one that he's not seen is the one who's playing Santa for the kids. That's the one that's the guy, and he's actually too late. He's already in the you know the back room. He's taking the money in the bag, and he's kind of. He's not happy about it. He looks really... I mean, the art's good here. It's showing that he's really sad as he's losing the crowbar to pry the door open. He's like, oh, what have I become? <laughs> he's the- yeah. Yeah, it is really nice. And, and even when he's uh, on the next page, when he's putting the money into the bag, yeah, it's silent. There's just, But he's just, you know, this side shot of him looking down and you, you can feel the misery. And even the, the second pal there's really good of like him leaving the room and it's just the, the long shadow of the light from the other room. Yeah, it's real good. Yeah, it knows exactly what it's doing. Um, but he runs into this kid who never got to see Santa in the mall or in the department store, and the the kid's like, "Hey, Santa, I never told you what I what I wanted." And he's like, "Ah, look, how about your dad? He can help you with your mom." And he's like, "Oh, we don't have my dad anymore." Uh, and 
he basically th- th- this and i think this is the really important thing here is that the, the guy decides to put the money back before the flash ever shows up before the criminals show up he makes this choice on his own just with yeah. being inspired by this kid so after this you're always rooting for wally to help him and to make sure he's safe and not get go to prison like you're never saying ah oh, but he still did the dicky thing he, he took the right. money technically but he you know he made he's, this he's choice turned back and and you know he's like i'm not gonna give it to you and they all you know start opening fire and he does immediately shield the kid uh, obviously yeah. he has no idea that the, the flash is coming to save him yeah he shields the kid thinking he's going to die by saving the kid so again he does a really heroic thing before uh you know the list goes um so wally just tells him to go off and meet his wife who's given you know delivering the baby um and he runs off in the snow and gets there and holds his child and it's you know it's a sweet ending yeah of course you know it's it's in a big church as well it's it's all you know Hey, look, it's Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's all super Christmassy. I mean, I have no doubt this came out in, like, December or whatever year oh, it was. Oh, absolutely did, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's an epilogue here, which we'll get to. It's a little bit different. That's where the president comes in, because they're back at the, the house. Yeah. Uh, but I think the main story was a delightful... It, it felt like, I mean, obviously it was Christmassy because of the art and everything that was there, but just the, the general vibe of it. Uh, it was and one of the things we love about Flash is the idea of the Flash family the idea of them being together and having these downbeat issues where they can just be doing things like setting up the Christmas tree or having almost a sitcom episode at the house where they're you know Linda's getting annoyed because she's trying to watch the football and no big master plan in this episode no a simple issue even simple little story about helping a couple of simple people and the fact that it's uh, you know such a you know a heartwarming thing of this guy's turning to life a crime he doesn't want to and he makes the choice not to Oh, yeah. all, all that works uh, barring the point that i dislike yes which uh which i'm gonna get to now is is, is to do with the kid mm-hmm. where you know uh you know he, he's there going santa it's like oh well go, go tell your dad he'll take care of it and he's like no i wrote him my letter you know that's why that's why i'm so sad dad's not with us anymore he's in jail and i was like oh uh, no didn't need it it's too on the nose it's too much being like oh you know oh this is what this is what will happen to you your 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 wife and kid if you, if you go through with this it, it was too much. I get why it's annoyed you. I didn't really care. It's on <laughs> the nose. Enough. I agree it's on the nose, right? Because it could have just been the dad died. It didn't have to be specifically the exact same thing. But, or he just left. He just he was a scumbag and he ran off, whatever. But it didn't, it, 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 it didn't phase me. It, it was specifically the, you know, the, the dialogue bubble that just said he's in jail, where I went, right, nope, knocking a whole point off of that because I just despised that moment. Of course, of course. Uh, and they are really good through I, I mean we mentioned a couple of panels with the, particularly with him stealing the money that were really well done and showing how he felt about it um, yeah but all, all the stuff with them riding the snow helping the various bystanders uh, there was a nice chaotic feeling of them like catching presents as they're having this casual conversation you know there's a really good job of like sh- showing their familiarity and their normality of all this despite the fact they're doing all these super speed things right. as and, a- and as much as I joke that Lorock definitely hated that page with all the people I think he did a really good job on, on it still where it felt chaotic yeah yeah uh, so the epilogue uh, all on the present of course where Wally's delighted by is yeah. the doorbell goes it's like oh hey who, who could that be and they go up and open the door and who's standing there but barry allen with his hood down uh and the the, the, the captions at the end they basically just say merry christmas from all of us uh, but don't worry we're gonna get to the how we're gonna get to the why and all those things next issue but have a nice christmas <laughs> yeah that's uh it's an interesting cliffhanger yeah is this the uh is this the start of uh return of barry allen that arc because that's a really famous arc 
I don't know. Uh, maybe. I don't know how early that comes in this run. It may I, be that. I, I didn't think it was this early. So my impression was this is, you know, something, I don't want to say sinister, but <laughs> not as it seems. Sure. Oh, yeah, very possibly. Uh, that was my initial impression. Is this is a this is a comic cliffhanger? It's you know it's it's, it's a trick somehow. Well, even I mean I don't think that story is actually about Barry really coming back though, right? I mean, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, it is Star Trek seventy four, which is next. Yep. This is oh, okay. This is us getting into that run that 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 story. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Uh, I I, did, I assumed it was later in this run for some reason. So, uh, neat. So I I, I mean it's the cliffhanger did generally come out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting Barry to beat the door. <laughs> so no, no. So fair play. I think it's it works because it's such a don't say disconnected issue, but standalone. Like it feels like no, it's just a Christmas issue, right? Yeah. It's just this is this is just the thing between arcs, and uh, which I thought was interesting because oh, it's Laroque back for this one. Whereas if anything, I thought oh, this would be the one Laroque takes the break on, right? Mm. And then it gets to the end, and it's like oh, I get it. It's that's why there's this big important beat here. That that kind of ties it all in as to the the overall run yeah uh really good issue so uh, what's the the rating with the point docked for the jail line with with the point docked it's a seven yeah I, i'm gonna happily give this an 8.5 i really like this issue and the jail line didn't bother me so there you go well i'm i'm, I'm happy for you no you're not all right no i'm not Birds of Prey issue seven, Chuck Dixon writing Greg Land on the art, and this is a sort of standalone issue, much like the Flash, a very standalone issue between arcs kind of thing. Um, but this one goes to some interesting places. It's a very simple premise. Uh, they're in Markovia. Well, not they. I just, just, just Black Canary. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, the usual. Yeah, she's in Bla- she's in Markovia, and she's escorting this war criminal. Uh, this this uh, former dictator. Sorry, Sorry? just uh, I've just registered. Did you say this was a uh, land or not? I think I did say that. Well, who is it? It is not. It's uh, Pete Kraus. This is the the guest artist between between arcs. And my defense, Greg, I did the cover, which is where I read the name. So <laughs> that's fair. Uh, I will I will accept that mistake. Um, so she's fighting this dude in the orange jumpsuit, and it's basically that this guy is going to testify in Markovia. And he's got a bunch of criminals, a bunch of uh, political war criminals and stuff that are all after him. Because if he testifies, it's going to be bad news for them. And Dinah hates this guy. Because as far as the news is reported, he has made women and children work in sweatshops. He's been a dictator. He's been awful. He's slaughtered and thousands. I think what's really interesting is he doesn't deny that he's done a lot of these things, but he's like, no, this was better than the alternative. This was, you know, the, the small step of progress in the right direction is the way he sees it. Yeah, it, the issue plays with kind of this interesting shade of grey where she's just writing them off. She compares them to Hitler multiple times, which just kind of just gives you the idea of what she thinks of him. Yeah. And she's even conflicted, like, hey, you know, Oracle, why are we helping this guy? Can we just, you know... And she's like, no, like, he deserves your process like everyone else, regardless of, you know, who he is and what he's done. And... You know, and it becomes this kind of gun. So there's an action issue. It's kind of fun because it's kind of them going through the city and like dodging various things around it. There's a car section where stuff. There's there's a great moment where they're just walking past an elevator and the doors open and you see like the POV of the guy coming out the elevator. Um, or it's not a POV, sorry, it's the way around. But you can see him like in between the you know the opening doors and you know the next panel they're going, he's going to attack kind of thing. Uh, 
you know, so there's a lot of fun action. It's a lot of the, the, the gauntlet of all these attacks uh, from, coming from every direction and them trying to figure things out. But uh, at the end, ultimately, the point of the story is that this guy sacrifices himself to save Dinah. And it's just enough to make her question if she just, like, villainized them just a touch too much. Because as he explains it, yes, he technically killed thousands, but they were insurgents. They weren't just innocent people. Um mm-hmm. He he offered people the option of working in sweatshops because before that it was prostitution and that was essentially the only choice. Um, he, he's, he's sort of saying that yeah, it was a step in the right direction and it wasn't perfect yet, but I, I've basically... Because he says that he's left it in a, a democracy and that he stepped down because now it's... And we never actually know for sure how true this is. We never know if he's telling this in complete honesty. We never hear any of that. We only know what, what Dana hears and sees, which is... I think, what are you saying? Obviously, parts like he did step down and leave it as a, a you know, as a, as a genuine democracy is probably verifiable because that would have been yeah. in the news otherwise. So, that... But, you know, his motivations for things are more questionable. Uh, I, I don't want to say I necessarily disbelieve him, but like I say, it's, it's his word against nothing. Yeah. So, we, this is the weird thing about this issue... And I'd say this as a, as a positive is that it never actually gives us a clean reason to, like, sort of feel bad for him by the end. It leaves us in the same place that it leaves Dinah, where maybe there's more to him, but we'll never really know completely for sure. But the ending definitely gives you enough to doubt that he's as evil as he was supposed to be. It, it gets when when he does such a, you know, genuinely selfless act uh, of if if saving her, it kind of makes you go, well, maybe he was telling the truth with everything he said and you know like I say obviously he's not perfect he still yeah. had them working in sweatshops but may- maybe he was right that he couldn't just force it through quicker than that because there'd be a rebellion yeah or alternatively maybe he is almost as bad as what they say he is and he's just having like a moment of redemption uh, like towards the it's, end it's uh, possible yeah yeah there's, there's possibilities um, but you know clearly this is about Dinah being so like she's her, her mind is made up she, she's painted this guy with a certain brush and admittedly i think when you have a figure like this who has been the leader of a country and has done all these atrocities that were on the news i think it's very hard to have any alternative opinion you probably do think they're a complete scumbag and i feel like, i feel like we'd all be guilty of this <laughs> if if we get to the point where we hear oh he's murdered thousands and he's got people working in sweatshops and that's that's why this works especially because diner is basically coming at this from the from the angle that all of us would being okay this is what we see in the the western media interpretation of it and mm. you know bringing our values and ideals of of what civilization is this is what we assume how terrible he must be because of these things even even if he's right and it is a step in the right direction for his country it's not fast enough it's still terrible by our standards yeah um so uh beep still talking to to babs uh mm-hmm. and I actually kind of thought that that turned out to be Batman last issue, but I guess the person talking to her is still a separate thing from who's watching her. Because I, I, I think so, yeah. I'd always connected those in my mind before when it was a mystery. Uh, it's because they often played around the same points. Yeah. Uh, but Babe's still talking to her and saying, hey, you should get away for a vacation. Europe's the nicest time of year, and she starts laughing because, you know, in Markovia, which I guess is in Eastern Europe. I always forget, but... It is, yeah. Yeah, I always just kind of think, oh, Markovia is somewhere on this side of the planet <laughs> just i don't know it's the, the ovia it, yeah. it, it just sounds you know very it's 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 like definitely an ex-soviet country isn't it it's, it sounds like it yeah obviously it's fictional so you know yeah that, that's why that's why it's not like a 
Like when she when she started laughing, it took me a second to go, oh yeah, yeah, because Markovia is Europe. All right, for <laughs> that's why it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do think though that is probably my least favorite panel of the entire book. I think her face looks so weird with that laugh. I that's, it, that's like, fair. I think if you didn't have the laughing sound effect, I don't think I'd assume she was laughing there. You could have believed that she'd stepped on like a nail or something like that. Yeah, it looks more like a a pain than than a laugh. Yeah. And I get the irony that this oracle and she's in a wheelchair, but my point stands. Again, I didn't mean that. The last one was definitely... (laughs) That was not intentional. That was not intentional. It's getting worse. Just shut up. There's a lot of... (laughs) There's a lot of uh, pitfalls when it comes to using uh, metaphors that relate to either walking, standing, or some such. There, There is a lot of them, yes. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I shall move on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good before this gets worse like my father was in a wheelchair my entire childhood right i, 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 I i'm pretty easy going when it comes to talking about wheelchairs and in a light-hearted yeah. manner no i get it uh so yeah i mean i mean that's that's basically the issue uh some good sequences uh you know when they're on the subway and she has to grab them and the trains like whirling past them and she's holding them against the wall uh that's a good few panels i thought uh as, as far as action goes yeah, I think the um, the, for the art, I think the action and the pacing is really solid, yeah. and uh, uh, it's it's quite dynamic. I think it does struggle with uh with faces. I think especially the female faces because I think mm-hmm. he tends to look okay most of the time. Uh, I think Babs is the worst, but I think Dinah definitely has definitely some moments where it's pretty rough. Yeah, it could be a strength and weaknesses thing with the artists more than anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the probably the other big moment is just before the ending, where some of the guys that have tried to kill him, uh, or or dictator dude manages to get a gun and he shoots one of them in the back, and Dinah yells out no, and it's it's a pretty dark moment. It's like oh he's got a gun there, what's he going to do? But he throws the gun down, and says no, I don't want to run off and not be taken. Like I want to go and testify, or or you know whatever the line is. Um, he wants justice. You know he wants the justice. And, so and he's he's sure that his his courts will exonerate him. Uh, yeah. Even if even if the world itself, you know, has, has written him off, he's he's like, no, 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 I didn't do anything wrong in the laws of my country. And that's what it gives gives us some nuance is that him shooting this guy in the back is very dark, and he says that you know Westerners like the backbone to do what needs to be done, and he's, he was saying that earlier about just you know how he ran his country, uh, but he's just this guy in the back, and Dinah's you know yelling no, and he goes, yeah, see exactly, no backbone, um, and it does come off as kind of villainous. It's kind of like, well, even if you're technically right. And some of what you've said about your country and how this is a step in the right direction and that that was the only way to sort of see it through and actually have genuine change um clearly this this manner or this like attitude he has that he has to have to maybe do that has taken away that like an element of humanity where he is doing this and just shooting this guy in the back so it, you know it's the sort of thing where even if you do sort of sympathize that maybe he's right about some things it doesn't change the fact that he's had to become someone who is you know I don't want to necessarily use the word evil necessarily, given that we're talking about Shades of Grey here, but something that we don't want to be, something that is less than ideal for, you know, yeah. life moving forward. So, um, and maybe that's the idea as well, is that he is a necessary evil for the advancement and, like, the, you know, the world that he's building is a world he doesn't belong in, uh, ultimately. Yeah, it's the idea that our civilizations didn't get to the point that we were then, you know, immediately, and rushing you know just because we, we've reached that point and other countries haven't rushing them won't necessarily help they've got to move at their pace too yes although uh you know 
Western countries not, are not, perfect. But I mean, no, 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 not that we're in an amazing place right now. <laughs> just wait, I just because the way you phrase it, I'm like, I don't want anyone to think that we're actually suggesting. No, but... I, I'm taking that as that is the yeah. the point of view of the issue is that Western civilization good, yes. this not good enough. Uh, is that's the the mindset of where it's at, and you know, you know, holding them to our standards is is you know the way the issue is portraying it. Uh, yeah, arguably some countries are in worse states, but I think so there's a phrase "not good enough" certainly applies to everywhere. I think pretty much. Uh, so yep. a solid issue had a solid mission statement. Uh, it made Dana have this moment of reflection at the end, where she, you know, she's kind of shaken by this experience and doesn't know how to feel about it. And I think it's effective in creating that murkiness. So yeah, yeah, it's it's real solid. Um, we got did no I did notice oh. at the end as well though. It says Nightwing next time. I do. I actually, from the small amount of this I've read before, I actually remember the next issue very well. Oh, that's a good sign. Uh, well, you know what I'm like with Dick Babs romance. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's true. It's not my favorite. So, so it's always a, so it's a salt, especially when it's, it's done well. Um, but it's, it's hard not to remember the ending of the next issue, or something towards the end of the next issue. Uh, so, so it's very stylish. If this was a Dana issue mainly, the next issue is definitely a, a Babs. Not that Dana won't be oh. there. I'm sure Dana will have a subplot, but uh, it shouldn't be the focus. Yeah, that's uh, fair. All right, what are you giving this issue? I'm going to give it a seven. I think it's uh, it's real solid. I'm happy to give it the eight. Uh, I, I like to quit, but GSE issue sixteen. Jeff Johns, and David Goyer writing with Stephen Sadowski on the art. Although we should mention that we actually have a little bit extra before that. Um, I'm not entirely sure which one this is from. There's a couple of things in the uh, the small text in the trade that says, "Oh, there's a story from this and a story from that." I'm not sure which one it is. It's either from a Secret Files Origins thing or an 80-page thing. Uh, and if it's not from the 80-page thing, it might mean that we've got an 80-page issue at some point in the trade. I, I think it, even then it might just mean part of the 80-page. Yeah, it, it very well might mean that. Um, so there is a little... But it is placed in the right place. I mean, I don't know about uh, publication date, but I assume it also made sense there uh, because it does kind of lead in nicely to what the, the story and the issue itself is. So we did, we did both read this this extra little story it's which... only what seven or eight pages maybe yeah well I, I actually thought it was uh i mean i just thought it was the, the, the start of the issue you know i didn't realize it was a short until i got to the end I was like, oh it's the end okay i just thought it was going to be a full issue yeah uh, the only thing that, that made me know going in is uh it, it went from the contents page straight into it there was no mm. title page so i actually jumped ahead i was like wait are we not doing title pages in the second trade after we did in the first trade i was about to be really annoyed and I was like, do I need to switch over to DC Universe for this? Because that's going to piss me off. No, um, it was actually, when I got to the end of it, the, what confirmed what it was, uh, was that luckily in the trade, it actually labels the next one as well. So I actually said 16, and I knew 16 was what we were supposed to read. So I was like, oh, what, what did I just read there? What was yeah, that? they have like the, the faded out pages, don't yeah. they, um, on the trade. And, and that's what I thought they dropped between trades, and I was going to be annoyed, which is why I jumped ahead to check, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh no, that's there, it's fine. This must be something extra. Yeah, so the art on the, uh, the this little short though is uh, Phil Winslade, uh, just for the record, uh, not Sadowski. Okay. Um, but uh, this is a story of Johnny Sorrow coming to break out uh, Icicle, um, and we get sort of backstory of how he knew the original Icicle, who had like a cold gun, kind of like Captain Cold, even a very Captain Cold esque costume, mm. um, which. Uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with that version of basically to be honest that, that's very I think that's probably I think the, the popularity of uh, of Cold is then why we stuck with Icicle Jr essentially yeah 
Is this technically Icicle Junior though? I don't know. Because I, I was I was kind of getting the impression this was the Icicle that we really know, and then he's going to have a kid that's an Icicle Junior. I, I mean, you could be right. Even but... though technically it has, he's got a father who was going by Icicle, which I know makes it confusing, but if this isn't then then there's an icicle the third really yeah because because i'm pretty sure icicle has all you know the icicle i have known has always just had ice powers not a gun and that, icicle, that, yeah and icicle junior's father has always been that icicle to me so either things changed at some point or there's technically a grandfather icicle who i mean i love how it never actually explains it, it just there's, 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 there's literally a, a dialogue bubble that says he you inherited the powers of his gun uh, do you want to explain that? <laughs> do you want to explain how he inherited powers from his gun? John's don't got to explain shit. Do do he have sex with the gun? Like, <laughs> look, I, the the best I've got for you is the gun lets off some sort of radiation. Sure, the constant okay. usage in, affected his cells, and then he passed out. I, I would accept that after said that, but it's just the way it just very matter of fact. Johnny Soldier says you inherited the powers of his gun. It it just happened. Yeah. Yes. Uh, very odd. Uh, you know, he reveals himself to the guard with his face, as Joy Sorrow does. Uh, if you're not familiar with Johnny Sorrow, of course, we obviously we mentioned him when he popped up, you know, several issues ago, uh, and, and, you know, that one with Wildcat, but, uh, you know, he has the mask, it's like, it's like a floating mask almost, but when he takes his mask away, he reveals whatever he looks like, and whoever looks at him goes mad, and dies, basically. Uh, pretty much. So, uh, but no, we, we get the idea that, you know, uh, you know, Green Lantern, you know, Alan Scott Green Lantern used to tangle with, uh, the, this original icicle. Uh, but yeah, it's basically just him extending the offer to join this new Injustice Society, um, giving him his business card, and that's it. That's the whole thing. Uh, I mean, it was nice. It was nice to get a little context for one of these members. I, I wouldn't even have minded if they did a few more of these for all the other members, just to give you a little, yeah, a little setup for each one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. It, it's kind of like if if you're not reading through the trades, mm-hmm. you're not missing too much by not reading it. You know. Nah. You you don't feel like you're missing a ton. It's like it, it's nice that it's there, but it's definitely not essential. If you just went straight from fifteen into sixteen, you'll you'll be fine. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's you know, and it's a quick read as well. So I I would never recommend skipping it. It's like no, read it. Just there's no reason not yeah, to. Yeah, if if you've got the trade and it's there, definitely read it. Yeah. Uh. So, but to get to issue, issue sixteen uh, itself, which is the start of this injustice society story, um, this is a fantastic issue, and this is. Like, obviously, there's some, been some good stuff so far. I love the plane stuff, and I, I loved, obviously, that Wildcat issue was great, and some of the stuff setting up sand and interesting the new characters. This is, I think, in my memory, where this run really starts to pop off, where we have the team kind of fully formed, uh, and their team of villains. Because one, one of the things that I said I loved about uh, that Wildcat issue is learning that, oh, wait, so, you know, Alan Scott Green Lantern had a nemesis who was made of wood called Blackbire Thorn, and that was his nemesis, and learning about, like, these Golden Age characters and who their nemesis was, who we mm. don't necessarily know from pop culture, who, who don't get brought up a whole lot. Um, same thing here with uh, Jay's Reverse Flash. I mean, obviously he never called him that originally. That's how he describes him here, but... He's like, kind, kind of a Reverse Flash, is, is, is what he says. He's yeah, like, he's, he's... Yeah, that works. Yeah, called Rival, uh, and we kind of, you know, so... Uh, so at the start of this issue, when there's like a speedster, you know, with blue lightning running through and like killing various people across the country, I genuinely didn't know who it was going to be. And again, I have read some of this before, but it was a long time ago, so I'm just kind of like, ah. Oh. And and let's be honest, he's a, I won't say relatively forgettable speedster, but more sure. just <laughs> because we don't encounter him often, it wouldn't be someone you think of in the, the pantheon of DC speedsters. 
Yeah, so basically the, the Injustice Society kind of show up at all the various locations that the, the JSA are in. Uh, Dinah's having a, her first date with uh, Dr. Midnight. Uh, uh, Peter Cross. Is it just pronounced Peter, or is it, like, Pieta? Peter? Pieta. No, I'd just say Peter would be fine. Yeah. Uh, being, being, given that Peter's my name, I, I feel really weird about seeing odd spellings that I'm like, uh, I feel like I should differentiate because it's not my name, but at the same yeah, time... Yeah, no, I, I get it. The the Irish spelling of, of my name is... <laughs> got a lot of extra letters. And, and <laughs> like, it, you would write it C-O-N-N-A-I-R-E. Interesting. Uh, and that's still, you'd just still say Connor. You like, just reminded but, me, actually. I was watching an Irish horror film. Uh, this this week, I saw your tweets and you, you, I approve. Yeah, she saw my tweet. Uh, yes, there's a character named. Shiv- I'm going to describe the way this is just for, just for the context. So it's a horror movie set on a boat, and you know they find like a mysterious thing, virus spreads, whatever. Right, that's the plot. But it's an Irish fishing boat, and they're taking on like a university student who's going to like do some research. And they do this often. They'll take some of the marine biology students to come out for a trip, whatever. Is this an Irish film, or is it just set on an Irish boat? No, I think it's uh, pretty... Uh, I mean, there's a couple of actors who are clearly not Irish or doing accents, but otherwise, there is, it's definitely... You think it was an Irish production, though? I think, I, I, I think it is, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I think the director's at least Irish. Just, just, I just want to judge how offensive this is. Right. But, so, Siobhan, this marine biologist student, and I realise this is way off topic, but you'll and enjoy this. Another name with a stupid spelling. Oh, a very stupid spelling. The first time I saw Siobhan written down, I had no idea it was Siobhan. I was like, what? Siobhan? <laughs> what is Siobhan? Yeah. <laughs> um... And she comes up, but when she when she arrives at the boat, she's got like a it's, just, it's kind of cold. She's got this woolly hat on, right, and her hair's all like hidden in the hat. And so she introduces herself to the captain and whatever, and they're like, "Oh, you know, welcome. You know, this is what we're doing." And there's some small talk, and she comes out on deck, and it's one of these boats, really, the the, the the you know the, the bridge, if you will. Uh, you know, has windows, and they can see the the rest of the ship from behind the, the bridge, and she she takes off her hat, and the red hair comes flowing out, and one of the crewmates goes. Oh, F all nighty. Jesus Christ. And, like, and she's like, what? And the guy just looks at the other crewmate and goes, does the captain know about this? And she's like, no, but what? And the other guy goes, oh, he does now. And she turns around and the captain's just staring through the window at her, like with this look of horror in his face. And I couldn't stop laughing because they believe that gingers are bad luck on a boat. That was what the- I love about this subversion is <laughs> traditionally it was women that were bad luck on boats, right? That That was the thing. So the idea that no 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 you, know, you that's not a problem you you can be a woman on here we don't care about that but a ginger oh oh no well <laughs> given that the captain's wife's like the second in command on the ship yeah they definitely don't have a problem with women no on the no boats. obviously that that you know uh, they they moved on from that but the, you know for a long time women were unlucky <laughs> on ships I think I think it was to do with the fact that you know all women all ships are women so uh, you know that's why they're all named you know named after you know female names so you couldn't have a woman on it because it you know, the ship would be jealous but yeah i think that's that, that's part of it. It, it it's a whole thing and to be fair they did encounter something dangerous and most of them died so i mean technically she was maybe, maybe they were right i'm just just putting that out <laughs> there it <laughs> did kind of technically am anyway uh back to uh gsa here uh the, the, right fil- the start <laughs> the film's called sea fever by the way just in case anyone wants to watch it it's called sea fever i just appreciate it. i don't know who it was but someone just saw your tweet and were like you watching Sea Fever? Yeah, so, yeah someone did. I knew what it was. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're on a date. They're, they're in a, a crosser on a date. And uh, Count Vertigo shows up uh, in a trench coat. 
He's very, very, very perverted. I mean, he's not actually do anything perverted, but he's very perverted. He's like, oh, I'm going to open my trench coat and do my costume. Like, any other situation, this would be some dirty flasher. It's funny, the the first time you see him, just, you know, where he's up at the at the table, like, mm-hmm. with the, with Khan, he looks like Constantine. He does a little bit, yeah. yeah. And, and then he's like, it's me, and, and just start zapping them with with his powers. Yeah, because he knows who Dana is. He's like, hey, I've tangled with your, you know, your ex or whatever, uh, or your dead boyfriend. Is he dead right now? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that was, I think he is, but that that's, you know, how he starts. He's like, how, how's Ollie? Is, is, is he still dead? <laughs> uh, uh, I think he would have been about here. I think he comes back not long after this, though. Meanwhile, Wildcat and Sand are at the movies. They're watching Raging Bull. Uh, Wildcat's picking a fight with people behind him, but it turns out the people behind him are Killer Wasp and Geomancer. So again, they've been also ambushed uh, on their little off-duty outing. Um, and then the rest of the team are back. They're, they're trying to deal with a speedster thing, but when Jay runs off to deal with Rival when he realizes who it is, and he's probably going to go after Joan because it's a personal thing. Just uh, before we get on there, when Jay's telling the story of who he is, I love the layouts here where it's all mm. the, the, you know, you got Jay in the big circle panel on the top left, and then all the rest is separated with the, the lightning bolt border and him running through it. It's it's really good uh, for just, just on a fundamental breakdown level. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, and Jay runs off, but he doesn't even have a chance to try and talk him out of it. He just speeds out because, you know, that's how he be. Uh, but right about then, that's when Icicle, Tigris, and Shiva show up uh, for the, the remaining members of the team. Who are, who are here, uh, along with uh, Thinker as well. Yes, and th- and think- an AI thing now. Yes, and, th- and Thinker's uh, been like, basically, the reason why they know all their secrets and who they are is because he's been essentially in the computer, and the, you know, in the base's computer for months. Yep. Gathering intel. And then they, they pull out Black Briarthorn. Uh, he, he's back. Well, yeah, uh, Specifically, Tigris shoots uh, Alan with uh, a crossbow, but the bolt is actually made of uh, Blackbire Thorn's wood, and then Blackbire Thorn kind of grows out of it, out of uh, Alan's back, uh, which is obviously quite delightful. Uh, they try to get to a safe room because uh, you know Alan's down; he's injured. Stargirl is obviously still a bit of a rookie, so so there there's a lot of concern going on here as they're trying to deal with this. Um, they do get to the safe room, though. Terrific, essentially makes the safe room be independent of the computer system so that uh, Thinker can't tinker with it or open doors or, or whatever. So they are effectively kind of cut off from everyone else. Smart uh, plan. Eventually. Um, Jay does get to Rival just before Joan's about to have it. The white picket fence literally kind of starts flying in the air. <laughs> flying through. Good yep. bit of the art there, I thought. Uh, but um, meanwhile, Canary... And Doctor Midnight are chasing. There's kind of a, there's actually kind of a, a kind of smirky joke here, where it, they're like, okay, we have to shoot up into our superhero costumes, and she's like, yeah, I've got mine. I always bring mine. And there's a moment where they're they're in like a a dark room somewhere, and she realizes that she's changing. There's this sort of like green silhouette of her, you know, seemingly topless, saying, "Wait a minute, you can see in the dark. You're not peeking, are you?" And he's just got this grin in his face. <laughs> like puts his hand up over his eyes, like no, never mind. Yeah, no, no, that was no such thing. But of course, the art, the art of her being in green is suggesting that that's what he sees in the dark, as he sees like green silhouettes of people. Uh, yeah, so he is seeing her, but I mean, it's very different to what someone else would see. Yeah, it's kind of like saying an X-ray of someone's hot. Like it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, you don't yeah. see an X-ray it's, and go, oh, look at her inners. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but yeah. then again, if 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 it does, you do you. 
I mean, it's a little bit more erotic than that. It's, it's you know, it's a silhouette. So I mean, a silhouette can be at least a little suggestive. Uh, and and there is, I think, the important factor that this is what he would see. Yes. So you know, th- this has connotations to him. This isn't just seeing an X-ray. To him, seeing this has meaning behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, so we're, we're diving around all these scenes because then we cut back to Sand and, and Wildcat having their fight. Yeah. Um, and who should show up? Yeah, Black Adam shows up uh, and says Sorrow sends his regards. And what's interesting about this, of course, is that Black Adam ultimately, uh, if you know anything about the run, is that he kind of, uh, you know, isn't completely a villain the whole time. He, he, he goes back and forth. Yeah. He's very, uh, I mean, it was this run that made Black Adam one of my favorite uh, DC villains because he's not just a villain. He's, he's an incredibly complex character. In yeah, there's a bit more depth than that. Uh, the end of the issue, because a lot of it is jumping around so many of these scenes that are going at the same time, it actually goes in very quick when you're reading it. Uh, it just it flies in. Yeah. Uh, but the end of the, the issue, um, the King of Tears, which was introduced, of course, that's what he was. That's what Sorrel was there for in the first place, um, is he has went to the home of uh, Scarab, and he is trying to use this King of Tears, and he's been pleaded with uh, not to do it. Uh, that you know, you won't be able to rule this world. It'll just destroy everything. And he's like, I don't want to rule the world. I just want to kill everyone. <laughs> like, you know, proper full-on maniacal, like psychotic behavior, as opposed to, you know, I mean, it's you always come back to right. There's two kinds of villains, and 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 typically, you can, you can almost define every one of them as being kind of Lex Luthor or kind of Jokery. And this is not that he's as obviously erratic as Joker, but in the sense that. He's more about the chaos and murder than he is about. He's on that end of the scale. Yeah, yeah you know, those are the two archetypes of uh, that that define the end of the the the, I mean, the I, end points of the spectrum. I mean, I suppose what we're really seeing here is chaotic evil and uh, lawful evil. But I mean, <laughs> pretty I much. But I don't want to use D and D terms, all right? <laughs> right, but in in the DC sense, those two are the archetypes of the of both ends of the spectrum, and everyone else just just falls in between them somewhere. I guess that's why Black Adam's kind of interesting, because Black Adam's way more Lex Luthor, but he happens to be also, have the powers of someone that would rival Superman, which makes him kind of a, you know, yeah. he's basically what would, what would it be like if Lex Luthor had happened to have those powers. Also, uh, uh, by the time people listen to this, it might be confirmed or not. I don't know, cause it, but I really hope those rumors about the Black Adam renaming are not true. What was the rumor? Oh, oh, you've not, oh, okay. I've not heard this. Now, this comes from our favorite rumor mill, so okay. Pinch of Salt. Yeah. Apparently, it'll likely be uh, used first in the uh, Infinite Frontier Zero issue in March. Mm-hmm. Shazadam. That's fake. That's, not real. It, that's, that's my first reaction. That's like, not it's real. It's got to be fake. That can't be real. They, they are not looking at this and going, there's a Black Adam movie co- coming out in the next couple of years. Let's rename him Shazadam. Like- I buy that this has come from... So maybe there's like a joke in the issue or something that like someone calls him that as a joke and someone's taken it and said, oh, they're changing his name to Shazadam. There is no way that they are seriously changing Black Adam's name to Shazadam. I, it's I, not I, happening. I it, it can't be happening. And, and it, you know, the, the, the thing the, the site is, is saying is basically he's on the, uh, the new Bendis Justice League book. He's on that team, right? Uh, and basically that's what they're going to be calling him in the book. And I'm like, they can't. They can't. They can't. I, I will. I'm willing to bet. I I'm willing to bet. I'm so I'm so confident in this that if they actually legitimately with the intention of keeping it around beyond just a joke for like an issue or something. I mean, because maybe they'll put out a, you know, a Shazadam issue one because it's part of the meta joke or something. Whatever. But 
if, if they're intentionally going to try and rename him permanently to Shazadam, Connor will read an entire Bendish run on this show, right? That's I what's going to happen. No thing. That, that is how confident I am feeling, that I'm willing to throw Connor under the bus. No, 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 no. <laughs> what's going to happen is if, if you're that confident, we'll go back and, and finish Wonder Woman. Or, no, or we'll do a, no, 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 no. All right, fine, we'll do a Gillen book. No, 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 no. After all that, Prick said about Resident Evil games? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Not having it. That hack can you're keep his mouth shut. That you're the one that's so confident it's never going to happen. I am so confident. The stakes have to... Right, no, uh, fine. That's good. Then the stakes have to be something that you will do, that you don't want to do, if it, if it ends up being true. Not me. You don't put me on the line. You're not gambling with mine. That's the whole joke. Why, why, why are you picking this apart so much? The whole joke, the punchline is, is that I'm. Uh, I know. I, I want to see how confident you really are. <laughs> I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident. Anyway, rate GSA. Not, not confident enough to put a, put something on it though. I don't. I don't uh, gamble. I don't gamble. This is. I just don't do right, it. Fine. It's the principle uh, of the matter. <laughs> it's the principle. Okay, sure. Uh, it's an 8.5. That's a really great issue. It, it, it bounces around, it, it flows in, in a way that, you know, there is a danger of it not flowing because it's bouncing around so much. It, you know, there's a danger that it can feel stilted, but it doesn't. It always feels like a really natural link. Um, I, I agree with the 8.5 for yeah. the record. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Justice League Power Rangers issue 2, Tom Taylor and Stephen Byrne uh, on this one. So... Yeah, I'd read you, most you of this. You only read issue two this time, right? Yes, yes, yes. I read most of this last week. Uh, turns out I only had like three pages left <laughs> to actually read for this week um, because there was no uh, thingy breaks. And I actually, Connor like, told me what the last page of issue two was and even then I almost kept going because it, was, it just wasn't that obvious in, in the book. Uh, but yes, so issue one ended with Pterodactyl having the Batmobile for anyone uh, keeping track here. And... Then we, then we, uh, you know, like, so the rest of the team are, we have to fight these other things. Superman has his funny moment here where he's like, uh, miss, I'm going to have to actually land the pterodactyl, uh, which is a very good line of dialogue. Um, but yeah, we get a bit of the, the, you know, the Justice League Power Rangers fight. We get Green Lantern, you know, John Stewart trying to like cage them, them calling their Zords to break the, the bubble. And even from the Justice League side, at this point already, they're acknowledging that I don't think they're actually evil. I don't think they knew what Batman is. Yeah, like, you know they're, they're you know like let's take it easy on them. Let's not you know go overboard. Yeah. So you know, so John just just tries to contain them in a, in a green bubble, and they're having none of it. Yeah, yeah, they call the Zords, um, and you know it, it's it's just so funny how everyone Zords crap versus the Dragon Zord. Like yeah, just like they're all cool enough, but it's like the Dragon Zord literally is designed to go toe to toe with the Mega Zord on his own. So I don't know, it's it's, it's funny to me. I just I, I'm putting my my Zord opinions out there. Um, I also love that, okay, the T-Rex is the coolest dinosaur, so the Red Ranger, the leader, gets the coolest dinosaur. And then someone said, how do we do a killer zord for the, the Green Ranger? And went, what's better than a T-Rex? And someone just went, Godzilla. <laughs> 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 so that's what we get. Um, Pretty much. So yeah, some cool action with, uh, you know, Green Lantern fighting uh, some of the zords. Uh what I love here, though, is when the Red Ranger... Again, the art here is glorious from Barn with the, the T-Rex sword, you know, blasting things with its with lasers and whatnot. But I love uh, the flash uh, vibrating into the, the cockpit of the I sword. 
the panel above it actually of the flash going through the legs and then up the tail yeah yeah no it's just really well sequenced but i just i love the red ranger being like what <laughs> what just happened <laughs> what's going on um and it's just at this point where superman breaks up the fight uh it seems that with the help of the lasso and kimberly uh they've uh, assessed that, that these are not threats that we should all be playing nice um, and it's, been, it's a bit of a running joke in this issue that everyone's saying, yeah, we get it, Batman doesn't look a good guy. And it's like, why doesn't he smile? Good guy smile. Uh, it's all very weird. It, it is just poking fun at the idea of brooding Batman that we've had for decades now. And the cliffhanger at the end of this scene, of course, is, well, we can't just leave. We could just leave, but we can't because we brought through uh, Zed and like he's, he's dangerous. We kind, of feel, we kind of feel responsible for that one. Yeah, which is where we cut to Zed. And this is a great little uh, sequence here where he, you know, he's landed somewhere. Like, oh, he's on a different planet because there's these little aliens and he's trying to talk to them. And they, they, they mention, what did they say? Please come, don't, don't draw attention to us. He will know us. So it's, you know, it's the idea that there's a figure that they're scared of. And then you see the shadow implying the scale. And it's just this moment where you say, oh, they're in a bottled city. This is like a Brainiac city. Uh, and sure enough, Zod, but this is the thing. Zod, Zod sorry, Zed. <laughs> Easy slip to make. But, of course, what's the whole thing that they have in Power Rangers, both him and Rita, make my monster grow? So he pulls out one of his orb things that he always used to use, and he makes himself grow to full size, uh, which from the context of what he's in, and the shrunken is back to normal size. Yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, he breaks out the bottle, and I, I legitimately thought, uh, I had to check, because I legitimately thought the final page of this the second issue was the full page spread of Zod looking face to face with Brainiac? I thought, oh, that's a great cliffhanger. It's like, okay, we're introduced to the the what the villain crossover is going to be now at the end of issue yeah. two. Makes complete sense. It does sense. feel like the ending. It does. And then there's like a handful more pages. Yeah, because you know, they actually you know make it make a deal. Basically, says like, hey, you still cities, eh? We could get on. And does it have to be a city from this Earth? Because I've got a nice little city that these pesky Power Rangers all inhabit. You could have that say. And, uh, and Brainiac's like, mm, do you know what? Different dimensions sound fun. Let's go take one of those. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, Zed uses his growing tech, if whatever you want to call it, the, the, or the power, you know, his orbs, to enlarge a bunch of beasts. And we get this big two-page layout of like all these giant like octopuses and shit attacking various I, I think cities. the choice to use octopus here, octopi, uh, was... A very intentional reference with with Watchmen, right? Sure, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, you know that being the the big you know climax of that book, and this here, kind of going, you know, this this is the threat that kind of brings the the Justice League and Power Rangers to fight on the same side against is is the giant squids. I think that's yeah. a that's a nice touch. Yeah, I think this is just, I and mean, we've seen this a lot from Tom Taylor with Deceased, but the idea that he's really good at taking lots of parts of the mythologies and sort of like throwing them together and like making a smile because you know him saying oh so he's teamed up with a dc villain but he can make anything grow to like monster kaiju size and that's what they do they they, you know, like they take these alien looking octopus and just like ah okay let's make them huge uh so it makes complete sense so um i'm excited to see what else he kind of mashes and mixes together and um you know i mean i, I you know i've not read I, I might have read issue three back when it came out i can't really remember but uh, I definitely didn't read the back half of it, so I'm very curious to see if we end up with, like, you know, do the Justice League, you know, control some Zords at some point, or do we, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Other possibilities. Um, 
I mean, the the, the last page of this is is after that reveal of all the monsters. They're yeah, just it's like, just, right. It's we'll, just we'll them, stay and fight. Yeah, it's just them realizing that this is going on, and they're like, okay, let's go, let's team up, and that's basically it. But I will say one of my favorite panels of the issue is in this page. It's that it's the really simple uh, panel of Superman, you know, flying off, you know, calling in the reserves. And it's he's mostly in silhouette. You've just got the red kind of shining through the cape and you know the belt and the the, the the edge of the logo that you can see. And he's on this orange background, just showing the speed that he's traveling at. It's just such a simple panel, but it's gorgeous. Mm. All right, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm giving it an eight. It's a really solid, fun issue. Yeah, I give it an eight too. Uh, can't really dispute that one. Uh, so. Batgirl issue 13, Brian Q. Miller writing with Pierre Perez, Pierre Perez, if you can say that properly, on the art. Um, so this is the start of the second trade. So there's two thick trades now. It used to be three trades that were split into, but now it's just the two thicker ones. Uh, so this is the start of book two. And this is a Clayface story. Although it's not, I mean, you can tell from the cover it's a Clayface story, but in the story itself, it doesn't really reveal itself as a Clayface story until a little bit in. Uh, it's basically Steph saying, oh, well, no classes on Tuesday. And since there's no classes and it's daytime, oh, I get to be a normal teenager. Well, not teenager, but like, you know, a normal college student. And uh, she's playing ping pong. Uh, and doing Very a lot, intensely. A lot of trash talk going on. Uh, really fun sequence. Um, is Fists of Fury to dual wheel uh, ping pong paddles? Is that, is that like a, a standard thing that I just don't know? Or is this just something that like, Miller's thought up here? It's funny I either have no way. no idea. It's funny I, either way, but... Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but Proxy now is the one calling her. Uh, a little bit of awkwardness because Steph immediately says O for, you know, for Oracle. Yeah. And and she's like, maybe I should change the, the ringtone for for when it's you. It's like, that, that would be a good idea. But Steph is delighted to hear that there's a bank robbery and she's the closest baton that's available to go and deal with it. Uh, wonderful bit of the art here, actually, is that the shadow on the, the path as she's running towards it is uh, making that of a bat. Uh, it's just enough where I'm like, yeah, because it's her arm up and the hairs flow in. And, and, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's just pl- it's just plausible enough that it could happen because it's not a neat shadow. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it's just you know, it's, it's nice. Uh, I always forget the cop's name that she's flirting with. Uh, uh, Nick Gage, I believe. Nick Gage. Yeah. Oh, his Gage is, is there. Uh, I think it is Nick. I think you're probably right. Uh, but you know, there, there's a show going on. They're trying to deal with like whoever this is because uh, there's, there's been a actually it's not a bank robbery yet it, 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 sorry the bank robbery comes later right now it's just someone's running because they've murdered their wife uh, but he, he ends up at a bank uh, but uh, he's chasing the, the culprit and then he, the culprit turns out to be Clayface because great panel as well where he just fires his arms out uh, the clay arms I, I mean I, I love the, the first page where we cut to this the first two panels where you've got you know on the, on the megaphone being like mm-hmm. you know right let's, let's take this easy and then you just got the next panel of the, the gunshots and the, you know him ducking behind the car and the, the megaphone flying off. It, you know, the, just the the pacing of those two panels is is fantastic. Yeah, and of course Steph shows up uh, just as uh, just as uh, Gage is falling uh, down the alleyway from the rooftop, uh, falling to his death. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, and yeah, he says Nick a time because so uh, yeah, I guess his name is Nick. Yeah, and she a terrible pun. She swoops in, saves him, looking all very happy about it. Um, and as always, they have a lot more, uh, <laughs> they have a lot more banner because, yeah, because she's like, oh, stop being so attractive in her head. And, and, you know, so much of what makes Steph so likable is that inner monologue that's happening kind of in live, in real time to whatever's going on. 
because sometimes yeah. you get the, you get there in monologues but they're, they're sort of in retrospect like they'll be doing it like after the fact and talking about what happened and it'll have this kind of reverence to it steph's is completely in the moment and i guess it represents how she thinks and how she you know how her mind flows it's uh yeah this book would be stuff. significantly lesser without that yeah so yes and proxy's giving her shit for flirting uh <laughs> do you want a room over the comms uh but she's like hey so he's went to a bank she goes to the bank it's like, okay we don't know who he is uh, he could be anyone here and she goes around and basically uh you know everyone thinks she's robbing the place which is another running joke in this issue and she's like, i'm not robbing the place <laughs> you know everyone calm down yeah. even after she initiates the lockdown herself yeah and she uses these goop grenades on all the guards to try and the like figure gooperangs. out Gooper, sorry gooperangs yes uh, how, yeah, how could I make that mistake? Given the, the, their correct title, but it, it all kind of comes together because the the woman that was murdered is the the assistant manager, whoever this bank, and apparently they did the the staff saw her go downstairs to the vault, and she's like, ah, okay, so that's where Clayface is. Uh, so she goes down. Um, I actually do love the art here. I love the like when Clayface looks over the shoulder when you know he's, he's still as this woman. But the face goes kind of evil. The eyes kind of like, okay, this is more than just this person. There's like, it's, it's really good yeah. at showing that there's someone else underneath the, the and face. And then it does full head 180 in the next panel and starts to morph back into Clayface. Yeah, there's a lot of fun B-movie visuals with Clayface in this one uh, with, with the horror, which is, which is nice. And it's not a horror story by any means, but they, they have a lot of fun with the way Just ways. treat Clayface as a horror character. Yeah, uh, it's good stuff. Um... So of course, and I love the payoff to the you know the, the the robbing the bank joke because when she gets like blasted with clay into the the lobby again of the bank, uh, Gage is talking to one of the employees, and the first the first bubble on the page is him saying she wasn't trying to rob the bank. Where did she go? Yeah, it's just it's, just a, it's really good at running gag, and they do the whole the, the whole cliche thing of like okay, there's two staffs, Clayface is turned into staff, he doesn't know which one to shoot. Uh, and the real Steph is like, shoot me! And the idea being that it'll prove that I'm real because I'll bleed. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, a couple of things I realize here. One, when they both say shoot her at the same time, it's in the same lettering bubble, just with, you know, tails going to both of them. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the art, when she says shoot me, the, the close-up on the eyes. And then, you know, her off-panel now, you know, saying I'll bleed. And it's the close-up on, on his eyes now with the gun and the determination. I think those two panels are probably the best in the book yeah i even i mean the bottom panel where the actual bullet hit on clayface the splat is just really well done um mm. I, it's also just an int- intriguing visual because you know you could do, if you made that splat red it would look like a normal gunshot almost it would just feel like a, a piece of art and like a, maybe a maybe a slightly wacky violent book but i loved yeah. it all you've really done is made it a clay blood splat and it and, just and added really the sound effect and added the sound you effect. you wouldn't use splat no no you wouldn't use splat but uh, but again, the idea of showing that this is Steph, but the eyes, you know, being pure white and the the, the expressions, like okay, we can we we can see that there's someone else underneath that. They are does a really good job of that, actually. Mm. Uh, so yeah, uh, ultimately she uses water and her gooperangs to uh, uh, she freezes him. Freeze him, yeah. Um, it's like oh, there we go. Uh, Gage though refuses to high five her, which she's very upset about. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Even after she's like, you know, don't, don't leave me hanging, he's still going, nope. Yep. Uh, and she's squeeing as well. Don't forget that. She squeezes. Uh, I, I did. Yes, I did forget that. Yes, because he says he says he trusts her for whatever reason. 
but yeah, she's like, "Don't you dare, bat girls don't." And she's like, "Fine." But Squee. yeah, he was trying to get to a safety deposit box. That turns out to be what uh, he was going after, uh, and it turns out to be a photo of him and his wife. Uh, and and for a minute, it was his safety deposit box. Uh, yes, as in, yeah, Basil Carlo. Yeah, I mean, he did murder someone to get access to it, so he still definitely does some villainous stuff. But there's a sympathetic, you know, twist to this towards the right. end. Right, there's the idea that he is trying to get something of his own it wasn't like he was actually trying to rob the bank weirdly yeah and the ending is really somber here and kind of implies that cage might have like a maybe he had a wife that died or something he seems to kind of uh this, this hits him a little bit yeah um he's definitely got a history yeah so we're kind of hinting what his past is so it's doing some you know forward momentum stuff that's the final page of the book just him walking off into the not quite a sunset yet but it's a low sun yeah it's 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 waning yes uh, no, the book's really fun. All the action with Clayface is super exciting. Uh, Steph's banter interactions with both Proxy and Gage are both fun per usual. Uh, the art, despite the fact that there's no... Garbet. Uh, Garbet. It's still really good. Perez uh, pull, pulling weight. Yeah, Perez has been sharing duty on the book for at least a good handful of issues. Uh, I think most of the Flood arc, if nothing else, and maybe something before that. So it it doesn't feel like a drastic shift in what the book was or anything like that. It's you know we this is a dance we've been familiar with. Yeah, it's a good time, good time. So, and forgive me if I'm trying to disguise it in the middle of that sense. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's good, good solid issue. And next time you get the Supergirl team up, which I'm actually excited about. Uh, yes, as as they put it at the end of the the single issue, world's almost finest. <laughs> Although they cross the almost out, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, should be world's already finest. That was a male plus TV joke. For anyone who watches all of her content. Well, we literally have the word already or almost cancelled out and replaced with already. It's it it a fine joke. What are you rating this issue of Batgirl? I'm going to give it an 8.5. Uh, this is a great issue. I'll give it the solid 8 for me. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that'll take us on to the, the end of the show. But basically, we just pick our favourite or least favourite. Uh, and best art of the week uh, on this one. So, uh, as for worst of the, I mean, it's Wonder Woman. No, it's not. No, oh no, no we whoa, moved on. Whoa, we moved whoa. on. Yeah, we moved on. Sorry. Uh, for some reason, I thought we'd still done a new fifty-two Wonder Woman issue. <laughs> I can move on. Oh no, yeah, I can. I can, I can rethink this. You, you all, have to but... think about it now. I do have to think about it. Um... Honestly, I still think there's an easy answer for me this this uh, this time. The, the Batman angle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's my that's probably my pick for worst. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Turned out to be easy. I went a bit soprano there. You figure it out, but it, you know. Fine. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, best art of the week. Oh, that's a tougher question. Um, I think it comes down to Wonder Woman or Justice League Power Rangers. I think both of those mm. are pretty great. I am. Oh, oh, there is a flash as well, admittedly. Mm-hmm. That was really good. I am going to give it to Wonder Woman. Ours very good, Wonder Woman. It's definitely one to think about. Batgirl, Flash, also. Um, that's kind of tough. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have like a clear winner for me necessarily this week. I'm just kind of weighing up some of the different moments. Mm. I think I think I'll probably go. I think I'll go Soprano Flash. Again. I'll go Flash. Let's see your 
Uh, waste cracks. Thank you very much. Um, Tell me on about. You're you're here to be bad luck and nothing else. Um, <laughs> so, uh, best best book of the week, and there's uh, again some competition for this here. Yeah. Um... I think for me it comes down to Wonder Woman or JSA on best book. I am going to give it to Wonder Woman for surprising me. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to give it to Wonder Woman. I think, I think Flash and JSA are both contenders, um, as well. But Flash might have been if I hadn't been forced to knock a point off. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's your stupid point because of that one line of dialogue. Uh, I really like Flash. I, I really, really, really like Flash. But I think Wonder Woman is a kind of exciting new start to things, and you know, for a lot of other reasons. So I'll, I'll go Wonder Woman as well. But it, you know, it's close. Um, all right, there you go. Uh, so that has been previously in the Multiverse episode seventeen. I think this was. Uh, so you can let us know if you've been reading the books along with us. Let us know what you thought of any of these issues uh, in the the comments. Uh, like and subscribe, all that stuff. Very important. Uh, you can, of course, uh, rate us on your podcast app of choice. And, of course, we have to promote Patreon. Patreon.com slash TV is the, the way that everyone uh, can support us financially for as little as $1 per month. At the $5 tier, specifically, you get early access uh, to Comics from the Multiverse uh, by a day every week, but previously you now get early access by a month. So uh, you don't even have last week's episode yet, uh, if, you're, if you listen to this on Patreon. Uh, so you're way ahead of the game. Um and I also take this time to thank, because uh, usually uh, I'm getting used to doing previously again. I'm not used to my, what my format is for ending these things yet. But uh, so I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers, which is uh, all of our patrons at $20 or more. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Born Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. Uh, so thank you to you guys. Um, now, I didn't go back and check what my outro line was after I said I would last week because I forgot completely. Uh, <laughs> as soon as we got into this outro territory, I was like, he definitely doesn't remember what his outro line was. I have, I have no idea what my outro line was. Um, I, I, I shall simply end this by saying thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. And... I don't have a dad. He's in jail. He's in jail.